0: Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles. We'll turn to Philippians chapter number three. And uh, if you're just joining with us, we've been journeying through uh, the book of Philippians here. And uh, we've been kind of going through uh, some of these things that uh, Paul's been talking about. This, uh, this letter that he uh, wrote to the uh, Philippian church. And uh, Paul was writing this letter while being under house arrest. Uh, he was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Uh, for basically uh, preaching the gospel. Which uh, evidently they thought that the gospel was uh, very uh, dangerous. Dangerous There uh, to the Roman government, but uh, his emphasis uh, throughout this letter is, is an emphasis of joy, and it comes across in everything that he's been talking about, seeking joy, finding joy, and one of the things that we need to remember is we don't find joy in our circumstances. We find joy in spite of our circumstances, because our joy is to be found in Jesus Christ, not in the circumstances or not in what we have or what we don't have. And if we have Christ, we have everything that we need, because he is the source of all joy. And one of the things that we've been talking about here... Uh, here specifically in uh, chapter 3 the past few weeks about this uh, resurrection, this out-resurrection that Paul talked about having this better resurrection uh, and the fact that there will be those believers that will be resurrected but then also there will be another separation of believers in the fact that they will have a better resurrection they'll be promoted to a place of honor and authority and they will reign with the Lord uh, in the new kingdom as it comes, and so God's word tells us these things, and it's very important that we understand what He's speaking to us and trying to get across to us of how important it is uh, in our walk that we have. And uh, we also talked about the uh, the fact of desiring truth, that whole matter of sanctification that we are to be following after truth, walking in truth, desiring truth, being changed by truth. And uh, Paul really uh, emphasizes a lot about that. And what we're going to look at here, these next set of uh, verses here, we're just going to dig a little bit deeper here uh, in uh, verses uh, 17 through 21. And talking a little bit more about our walk, and, and remember what Paul was saying, he says, I'm striving, I'm straining towards that goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, to be like Christ, to pursuing after holiness, pursuing after sanctification. And so as a believer, we need to be striving and straining towards that goal, because there is a prize. And... Uh, Here, what Paul is going to tell us now a little bit more is this walk that we are supposed to be having and uh, what that should look like, why we should walk in holiness, and the end result of that walk. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. If your citizenship is in heaven, then walk like a believer. You've heard the old phrase, if it walks like a duck... If it quacks like a duck, then what is it? A duck, right? Well, if your citizenship is in heaven, then you need to be walking like a believer. And uh, we'll we'll, uh, take a look here at a few of these things here. So let's read our text here. that we're going to look at. Let's read it uh, all the verses here and then we'll uh, pick apart them uh, as we go through it here. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says this, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so the first thing that we need to notice here is how we are to walk. As we've been going through this chapter, we've already seen how salvation has been a part of Paul's life. Uh, if you can remember in uh, in verses 1-11, through 11, he talks basically about the past, about how Paul's, uh, how about the salvation was at work in his past. Remember, he says all those things that I gained, he says, I've counted them as loss. He says, I used to do this, I used to do that, I used to do this, but he says, now I'm seeking after Christ. And then we looked at how salvation was at work in the present as he talked about in verses 12 through 16 not that I've already attained this right I'm not already perfect yet he says but I'm striving I'm straining I'm pressing forward and he says there's this work of sanctification process that is work in my life as I'm pursuing after Christ Christ is changing me making more and more like him And now it's almost as if Paul is now looking towards the future here. And he's saying, this is what we're waiting for. Because Christ is going to return and he's going to change our body from a lowly body to a glorious body. Salvation will be final and complete. Now notice what Paul says here, how we are to walk. Look at here at verse number 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. This is a scriptural command because these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul, I believe, could actually say imitate me because because as he was writing this, the Holy Spirit was using him to write this and he was saying, this is true. I want you to imitate me. Now, I'm sure all of us that have children or had children know that you really don't want your children imitating you. Right? Uh, There's a lot of habits and things that we've done, and now our children do, and they've picked up on those. But Paul says here, I want you to imitate me in how I walk how I conduct my manner of life, how I live my life. I want you to imitate me. And so this was something that these believers here at Philippi were supposed to do. Notice the word walk here. This word walk has to do with your manner of life, your conduct. In fact, God's word has a lot to say about our walk. And I'd really challenge you, if you want to do a a fantastic study of scripture, look up the word walk in the New Testament and go through it, look up all the verses, and study that word walking. You will see some things about how we are supposed to walk. And so I encourage you to do that. But what was Paul asking these believers to do? To imitate him. Imitate what? His Jewish accomplishments? No. Because remember what Paul thought about all of those things? He says they were dung. He says I count all of these things as refuse, as dung. He says I don't want you to imitate all of those. He says I want you to imitate me, my manner of life, how he lived his life for Christ. And what was Christ doing? Or what was Paul doing? He was pursuing after Jesus Christ. He says I have made him the goal. And he says I want you to imitate me just as I pursuing after Christ? He says, I want you to pursue after Christ as well. And so we learn a lot about Paul's manner of life in scripture. Let's look at a few of these things that maybe he was asking them to imitate. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 33. Look what Paul has to say about this. He says this, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says, I want you to imitate some things that are in my life, which is one of them of being self-denying and self-giving acts. He is self-denying. He says, I am pursuing after Christ and I am willing to deny myself so that others would come to know Christ. He says, I am willing to be self-seeking so that others would come to know Christ. He says, this is something that I want you to imitate. Here's another one. Let's turn over to First Thessalonians chapter number 1. And we'll look at a couple here in 1 Thessalonians. Look what he says here in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse number 6. He says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse number 14. He says this, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Let's look flip over to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Look what Paul says here about imitating He says in chapter number three, verses seven through nine, he says, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. And so Paul was saying here also, he's saying, look, one of the things that you are called to imitate was the willingness to suffer for others. He says there's people that are suffering for Christ. He says these people were willing to give up and to be willing to suffer for others as well. Notice another thing that Paul was calling to imitate in in uh, here in Philippians. Let's flip back over there. In uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, we already looked at these verses, but look what he says. Uh, He says what we need to be imitating. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That's what Paul says, I used to be. But he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteous from God that depends on faith. And so this refers to Paul's desire to follow Christ as he was describing uh, also here in the other verses that we just read about pressing on towards that goal. And Paul says, I want you to be an imitator of me. You need to be walking this way. But look what else Paul calls these believers to do. He says, join in imitating me, but he doesn't stop there. Look what he says, keep your eyes, another command. So not just join in imitating me and walking this way, but also he goes further and he says, don't just look at me, but he says, you need to keep your eyes on what? Those who walk according to the example you have in us. You see, every believer, no matter how long you have been a believer in Christ needs a mentor. We all need to be discipled. None of us is out here by ourselves saying, I've arrived, I got it all figured out, I don't need anybody's help. All of us need to be discipled. All of us need a mentor in our life. Even if you've been saved 40, 50 years, you still need a mentor. You still need to be discipled. God's word tells us that the aged women are to be doing what? Teaching the younger women that the aged men are to be doing what? Teaching the younger men. This is all a matter of us following after Christ, keeping our eyes on those who walk according to the example that they have in us. And so Paul wants these Philippians to follow his example while also looking to other people who are walking the way that Paul instructs them to walk. And as a result, I think we need to find mentors in our world who we can talk to, learn from, and to follow. So who's your mentor? Who's the person that is discipling you? Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? All of us are called to do that because we're not over here doing the christian life by ourselves we need examples to follow and as they are following christ we need to follow them as well so does it reflect what paul has been stressing and instructing us does our walk reflect the life of jesus christ he says you need to walk this way walking in holiness walking pursuing after christ is that how your walk is that what your walk reflects Is that what my walk reflects? If not, we are not walking the way that God instructs us to walk. And we need to know that. So let's look at a second thing here. How we shouldn't walk. Now in these next verses here, Paul is going to contrast the way believers walk versus those who do not know the Lord. Now I think there's a warning for us here as well that do know the Lord. Um, And we'll look at that here in just a few moments. But let's look at how Paul describes those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at verse number 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. You see that word there? Walk again. Now, this is a warning for many of whom I have often told you, Paul says. Now that's quite an interesting statement. You see, Paul was always vigilant of the churches that he had planted. As he was going out on his missionary journeys, he's planting a church here in Ephesus, planting a church here at Philippi, planting a church over here in Antioch. As he's over there and he's planning these churches, he's keeping vigilant watch on them. He's established them. He's placed elders in those churches to instruct them and help them grow. And then he goes and he visits them. He writes them letters. And he's saying, look, I'm warning you, I'm warning you, I'm warning you. And he says, there are many, with tears I'm warning you, there are many who walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. And so Paul here is saying, look, beware of those who have their manner of life, their walk. Beware of those whose walk goes contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beware of those Beware of those who go against the doctrine that was once delivered to the saints. Beware of those who walk contrary to the cross of Christ. And so before leaving the church at Ephesus, Paul warned the elders at the church with this warning. Listen to what he says in Acts 20, 28-31. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things. To draw away the disciples after them, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one with tears, and Paul says, with tears i 'm warning you Watch out for the people who walk contrary to the word of God. Be aware of those people who speak twisted and perverse things. Be aware of people who walk contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says they're there. And I think it's interesting. I I think a lot of times we think that these people are people that are without the church. They are people that are in the church, folks. That's why he says there are fierce wolves that will come in and they will try to steal away the sheep. Speaking twisted and perverse things, trying to draw away disciples unto themselves. So notice what Paul's words here. He says, and now to tell you even with tears in my eyes. Paul says, with tears, I'm warning you, beware of those who walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Another translation reads this way, there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. In one of the earliest manuscripts of this verse, it reads, be aware of the enemies of Of the cross of Christ, and so we must remember, just as Paul uh, read and told us out of uh, the uh, the 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 believers there at Philippi and, and Ephesus, he's saying that there are many that are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And if you can remember, back here in Philippians chapter 3, Paul warned us about these, these false believers, these Judaizers that were coming in, stressing circumcision, stressing this idea that you have to do these things in order to be saved. Paul says these are enemies, and you got to be aware of those people. And in many churches today, there are not some, but there are many enemies of the cross of Christ, because that's what Paul says. He says there are many who are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're preaching and teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. They say all the right words, Jesus, God, gospel, but they are not following the teachings of the word of God. And we have to be aware of that. Notice how Paul describes these enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at first of all, their end. Now, isn't that interesting? Look what he says in verse 19. Their end is destruction. He begins with their end in mind. And he says, the end of these people is destruction. The word destruction is the same word that is used to describe annihilation. Literally, Paul is saying the goal or the outcome of these enemies of the cross of Christ is that they will be destroyed. They will be annihilated. Jesus reminds us that those who know him are his sheep and he gives them eternal life and that no one can snatch them away from him. But we also know that those who do not know Christ will perish. 1 Corinthians 1.18 reminds us, says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.7-10 says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. You know, no doubt, I'm sure that many of us here have friends, we have relatives, we have neighbors who do not know the Lord. And if they die without Christ, what is going to be their end? Destruction, annihilation. That's a reality. Paul says, with tears, I'm warning you about these people that are trying to preach another gospel. They're trying to speak twisted things. He says, their end is going to be destruction. And the only hope that these people have is the gospel. And can I say to you, if you're here without Christ, if you do not know Jesus as your savior, the only hope that you have is the gospel. That's it. I said, what is the gospel? The gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He took your punishment on the cross. What you rightly deserve, Jesus was punished for, and he died. He endured all the wrath of God that you so rightly deserve, and he died. And he was buried. And he resurrected from the grave. And all those who turn to him and put their faith and trust in Jesus will be justified. They will be forgiven. They will be redeemed. That's the only hope. Think of Paul as he's writing this. He knew who these people were. He knew they were headed for destruction. And it's important to note that Paul had a very sincere heart towards these people. Because they were lost, they were headed for destruction because of the final destination of those who were enemies of the cross of Christ. I believe that we too should have a heart for the lost. Those around us that do not know the Lord, of course they're going to act that way. Of course they're going to say those things. Of course they're going to do that. Of course they're going to walk according to the course of this world. Of course they're going to indulge in sinful passions. But we need to have a heart towards them. Give them truth. And by the way, loving people is giving them the truth. Telling them the truth. By not giving people the truth, you're not loving them. Truth always comes in forms of love. And so we need to give people the truth. And so if we see people who display similar characteristics of being enemies of the cross of Christ, our hearts should break because of the final destruction of these people. They are going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's the reality. Notice how Paul continues to describe these enemies of the cross here. He begins with their end in mind. He says, whose end is destruction. But now he gets very specific here. Look what he says here. Their manner of life, how they walk. There's three things that describes these people. Number one, their God is their belly. He says their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. What does that mean? Paul is saying that these enemies of the cross of Christ are driven by their fleshly appetites. Their life is consumed by the flesh and its sinful passions and desires. Before Christ, we once used to walk this way as well. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, caring, out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul says this is how these enemies of the cross walk. They follow after their sinful passions. Look what else he says. They glory in their shame. What does that mean? These people live for everything that the cross condemns. How serious is sin? It's so serious that Jesus had to die for it. The holy God came to earth, took on flesh, and he died for it. And these people, they glory in their shame. Everything that the cross condemns, they glory in it. And they glory in shame. The Bible tells us Jesus became sin. He took our punishment for our shame, our sin. And these people glory in shame. They glory in sin because that's what they desire. Romans chapter 1 really gives us a a, a great description of the depravity of man and the shame that they glory. And listen to what Romans 1, 28 through 32 says. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do them, but they glory in them. And so these people glory in their shame. Now look at this last thing that he says to describe these people. He says, with minds set on earthly things, these enemies of the cross only focus on the here and now. Their best life is here and now. They have no concern for eternity. They follow after what is here on this earth only. Their treasure is in worldly passions and entertainment. Listen to what Paul reminds us in Colossians. Turn over to the book of Colossians here, real quick. You're in Philippians, just one book over, a couple pages over. Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says about our minds. Chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once what? Walked. When you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Since there are many enemies of the cross of Christ and we know how they walk, we too are called not to walk this way anymore. Sadly and, sh- and full of shame, I know at times in my life, I walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ. You say, what do you mean, Mike? Meaning that there are times in my life where I seek after the earthly more than the eternal. There are times in my life when I desire to live in sin rather than to walk in the Spirit. And I'm walking as an enemy of the cross of Christ. And Paul says, you don't need to be walking that way anymore. You need to follow after him, follow the example, follow the word of God, walk as a believer in Christ. We got one more thing here. Walk like a believer because of your citizenship and the change that awaits you. Listen to what Paul says here. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to Him. Self. I love that. Next week, we'll dive into this. Let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.